We turn to a reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians this morning. Paul has been speaking to them for a couple of chapters and now turns to talk a little more about why he does what he does and why he has come to them. This is what Paul writes. I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you, you Gentiles, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant, according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I'm the least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the wisdom of God in all its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. On this Epiphany Sunday, when we celebrate the fullness of your light that began with the glow of a star and has now been made fully present, made manifest in our hearts and in our lives in the birth of Jesus Christ our Lord. On this day, we ask that you give us a word, a word for our joy, a word for our hope, a word for our lives. In the scriptures we have just read, and in the words that we now share, may they be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> I want to tell you something about Paul. Paul was crazy. Paul, Paul... Paul was crazy. Paul was a, was a nut. He was, he, he had gone off the deep end. At least that's what those who knew him in his early years thought. He'd lost it. Gone off, he'd gone, he's gone crazy. The reason I say that is because early on in his life, he had it made. He had a good job working for the temple. 
He had good benefits. He had good colleagues. Not bad people, good people. Friends. He, he came from a family that was deeply spiritual, from the line of the Pharisees. Very reputable, very reputable family. Life was good. Things were, were good. Until he went nuts. He, he, got, he gave up his job. He left his friends. And started preaching about a guy named Jesus. Nuts, right? I mean, a complete turnaround. This is something that only crazy people do. Letting everything, he let everything go and set out not knowing how he would necessarily make a living. How, you know, they all talked about him. He traveled all over with this new message, this newly revealed message of a God who comes to all people and not just one group. He went to Rome and Athens and Corinth and Ephesus to name just a few. He went by foot. He went by ship. He took by whatever means would get him to where he had to go. He went to prison because of this heretical message that he was now sharing. And the ones that put him in prison were the same people that he used to work alongside his friends. So you know, they talked about him. Why is Paul doing this? What has happened to him? He's crazy. He has lost it. He's lost it. What does he think? He's going to make some kind of difference here? Some, kind, some difference he's making? Look at him. He's in jail. Why? do that why keep reaching out in the way that he did why do it well there's just there's just one answer that can be given and there's just simply no getting around the answer he did it because he believed deep down that God called him to do it and as one scholar puts it so well, there is nothing more compelling than a call. It is a life-changing moment when you deeply feel called to something. And that was Paul. As, as theologian Frederick Buechner puts it, He's known for saying a lot of things. One of them that's widely known is, he says, we are called to the places, God calls us to the place where our greatest passion meets the world's greatest need. Now, if you take that literally, you will never do anything because you'll never believe it's the greatest. And that you, what it means, of course, is that God calls us to places where our passion meets a need of the world. 
Now, I believe what we have in Paul's ministry is a deep passion for bringing people together in a world where people desperately need to be brought together. So he set out, let everything go, and he set out with this message of reconciliation in Christ, a message of grace open to all people, a message of love that shuts doors on no one. He felt called to do it. And the call is a very powerful thing. When Paul himself tries to explain it, he, he really, in essence, falls short. He can't fully explain it. As far as he can say is, it's a mystery. That's, we heard the word mystery appeared three times in our reading alone. It's a mystery, he says. It's the mystery of Christ, as he puts it. And Ephesians is just littered with references to the mystery of Christ. And, you know, Amy Peeler, a New Testament professor, talks about the, the mysteries that Paul is referring to. There's, there's more than one. The first mystery he's referring to is the incarnation itself, where God became a human being. And two things that it seemed impossible to bring together, now are made one. The incarnation. The first, and it's a mystery. How is, it's a mystery. The first mystery. And that one opens the door for the second mystery that has become the heart and soul of Paul's entire life's work. And that is to bring people together. To, to bring two people, in fact, together that no one ever thought could possibly be together, and that's the Jews and the Gentiles. He refers to it briefly in the opening statements of the letter. He says, you, he's referring to his readers, you are adopted by God, meaning you were once not part of it, and now you are. And then in chapter 2, he refers to it explicitly and says, you Gentiles who were, now, who were separate from God are now made one with God, and not only that, but made one with God's people of Israel. This is, this is his message. In chapter 3, we just read, he then goes further to say, he's been saying, that's my message. Then he says, I'm a servant. I'm a, I'm a prisoner of that message. And then he pa and it passes that deep passion of his on to the church. When he says, the whole intent, that God had was that through the church that the wisdom of God as he puts it be made known so Paul's passion is passed on to become our passion he did it because the grace of God changed his life he did it because it became for him his message, his mission, his call. And the call, very powerful thing, isn't it? So I've told you something about Paul. Now let me tell you something about this church. One of your passions, amongst others, is reaching out. You, this congregation has a big heart for reaching out. If you have been part of this place 
and you feel like you're not doing enough for other people, then stick around because I guarantee you it's going to grow on you. Can't help to. It's, it's, it's contagious. You will become infected by it at some time or another. Just keep doing stuff here and you will do more for others. It is inevitable. It's a, it's a good infection. I can't tell you how many times I, I find out something new that one of you does for other people. I, I feel like it happens all the time. Did you know, I'll be told, that, that so-and-so uh, visits the hospital, spent, volunteers at the hospital? No, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, they've been doing that every, every other Saturday or every week or every... No, I did not know that. Did you know that so-and-so researches on the Internet for ways to invest their money in innovations that bring water to places where water is not acceptable, accessible, accessible. Did you know that? No. I had no clue. Yeah, that's a big deal for them. They want everyone to have water. Did you know so-and-so does? No. Did you know so I feel like it happens every week. In fact, you guys get upset when the church seems to miss some need out in the world that you feel needs our attention. I know you get upset because I'm the one that gets the phone call or the email or the, did you know so-and-so's not happy because the church missed that one and we, you, you get, you gripe about it. You do. You, because we should be, we should, we're the church, we should be, you know, we miss, you know, you, you get upset about it because it's a deep passion here. Just this week, I, I did a little experiment and I took just a few minutes, just one day, you know, I didn't spend the whole week on it, I could... You know, I, I just wanted to see what I could find in a few minutes. And I tried to find evidence just in the, of this past year of things we have done, uh, pictures that we'd taken of members or things we'd done as a church to reach out. And I just took a few, and I asked some staff, just, do you have a picture you could throw me? Just, just a couple minutes. I'm just going to spend a few minutes on it. And go ahead and, and put them up. I want to show you just the few pictures, just in a couple of minutes that I found. Early in the year, our food collection for Network, the Super Bowl of Caring, uh, our Easter day, uh, the welcomed 200-plus refugee immigrant families, our presence on Renner and George Bush, Adopt a Highway, the Youth Choir Tour. They sing at all kinds of places when they go on these tours, not just churches. It's a missional thing. Vacation Bible School, they put detergent packets together to help with those who can't afford a whole lot at the laundromat. Austin Street, we did a flip-flop collection and later in socks. Our community garden out back here, uh, a lot of the vegetables go to the local food pantries. A couple of members volunteering at Habitat and they're kind of, they're circled. I hope I got them all. Uh, our first response to the Louisiana flood, we had a short-term response and a long-term response. Our school benefiting St. Jude's Children's Hospital. 
um, at the Tricathon. Our youth packaging and helping package over 11,000 servings of food for children along the Texas-Mexico border. Our choir singing with all kinds of choirs. Things like that bring people together. The women's Christmas dinner brings people together. All kinds of friends that aren't part of this church get invited to that kind of deal. And that's, that's just what I found in a couple of minutes. That's just a few things. Think of all the things we didn't take pictures of or... And all the things that you as individual members do because the life of this church compels you to do so. Why do we do it? Why? Why keep reaching out in the way that we do? Because, and there's no getting around this, we feel that God has called us to do it. And the call is a very powerful thing. Now, people might think we're crazy. They're crazy, they might say. Do they really, is that really going to make a difference? May not, does it really matter? Well, we believe it does. Like Paul. We believe it makes all the difference in the world. And so, we will keep doing it. We will not stop reaching out into the world with the love of God we have been given in Jesus Christ. We will do it with the kind of joy one would have as if they just discovered the cure for cancer. After all, this is God's grace we're talking about and there is nothing more life changing than that now is there amen